the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in again today for Mr. Ed Martin. Glad to be here. Uh, glad to take over and uh, get a little bit of time with you uh, on this program again here. I know I was uh, with you all yesterday. Uh, we talked a little bit yesterday about the goings-on with the new Speaker of the House, uh, Congressman Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, pardon me, from Louisiana. And uh, Ed is actually involved in a lot of those things today with Hill meetings. So he was able to record a couple of good interviews for us. However, I needed to step in here and I was ready and willing to do so. Talk about the what you need to know in the wrap up. Uh, But before we get there, let me go ahead and take this opportunity to remind you of a couple of things. Go to, first of all, ProAmericaReport.com. There you will find some incredible writings and the working uh, that Ed is doing right now, the different issues, I should say, that he's working on, uh, including which uh, he spoke about last week, but you will continue to find interesting the search for Mr. Coffee, who is Mr. Coffee. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the video at ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, also head over to PhyllisSchlafly.com. There you will find all of the audio archives of this program, as well as the uh, radio report uh, commentaries that you hear each and every show, those as well in the final segment, uh, which Ed voices uh, for the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, which is our day job, both of us, uh, in addition to uh, working on this radio program. So go there, phyllisschlafly.com. You'll find all the uh, archives of the standalone segments for this show, all of our guests, the authors, the experts, uh, the people who join us, as well as all of the full podcasts of every complete show. All the resources, the links are over there. Go to promarkerreport.com, phyllisschlafly.com. And of course, while you're there, last but not least at phyllisschlafly.com, sign up for the email list. I think you can do it at promarkerreport.com as well. Sign up for the email list, and then you will not be left out uh, if and when, if you follow Ed on social social media, uh, the censorship hammer comes down, which it's likely to do at any time, it seems, on any given platform. Make sure you go sign up for the email list. We will not lose touch with you. I'd love to have you on that as well and get the uh, updated information and, of course, the wink email, the what you need to know every morning. Uh, Early morning, it comes into your inbox and it will continue to do so. It's a good resource for you. But speaking of the wink email and this being the first segment of the Pro-America Report, the wink, the what you need to know, let's go ahead and dive right in. It's an issue today, I think, that needs to be discussed. It needs to be uh, brought up. It's certainly not a pleasant one. Um, It is very pertinent, though, as this is an ongoing situation in the Northeast United States. And uh, we'll we'll get right into it. If you're not aware by now, uh, you will be, as we talk about it here, that a, uh, a mass shooting has happened 
in Maine, the state of Maine, typically very quiet for these kinds of things. I think a total of, <clears throat> pardon me, a total of 29 homicides, if I saw that figure correctly, in the entire year of 2022. Uh, so they certainly are unfamiliar with the violent problems that seem to be so often found in places like uh, New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, even St. Louis here where we are. There is definitely a quiet piece about the state of Maine, it seems, uh, in that regard. But uh, late last night, uh, an individual decided to take upon themselves uh, the responsibility to go and end lives, to walk into a couple of very public places and open fire on innocent people uh, indiscriminately, it seems, at least at this point. And that killer is still on the loose, uh, at least as the time of this recording. Uh, that man has not yet been caught, is considered armed and dangerous and on the run. And it is uh, really a terrifying and disturbing situation. The details that keep coming out, uh, it's just gut-wrenching, especially for uh, such a, a state as Maine for this area, this this city, Lewiston. Um, this is really uh, gut-wrenching and heartbreaking as you consider the incredible loss of life. 18 uh, confirmed dead so far and several more wounded. Uh, already eight uh, have been identified, and as a result, uh, there is a warrant for this gentleman's arrest. Oh, I say gentleman. He's no gentleman. Uh, there is a warrant for this man's arrest for eight murders uh, so far, and more will be added as more victims are identified. Um, I hope, first and foremost, that you will join me in praying for and finding any way that we can to support this town that is now going to deal with such devastating loss and the repercussions uh, from that. But what I think we need to realize and understand today is a very important uh, what you need to know, a very important wink, and it's something that we should all understand, uh, and it's this that as much as now this is going to immediately and already has become a hot-button political issue uh, for both the left and the right uh, that immediately will go to blaming guns and then defending guns, which of course is a valid argument. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm a I'm a ardent uh, supporter of the Second Amendment and what that truly means: the defense, uh, not only of uh, your own individual life and your family, but a defense against tyranny. It has uh, very little, if anything, to do with hunting. That's for sure. Uh, but that said. As the right wing is about to get hung up on responding to the left wing's uh, antics over gun control, which are undoubtedly spurred on by this shooting in Maine, this killing spree in Maine, what you and I need to realize is that's not the issue really at all. That's a discussion about the how, the tool that was chosen uh, by this uh, disturbed person to go and commit unspeakable violence toward others, uh, toward other innocent people. But the real question we should be asking, and this is what you need to know, what's the real motivation behind these mass streaks of violence? Just in the last few days, not only here in Maine, but uh, videos of car chases ending in, in robberies in uh, Los Angeles, uh, the constant news uh, every weekend from New York City and Chicago, uh, the, the destruction of the life and property of others from coast to coast is on the rise, undoubtedly, especially in the last quarter century. And if we're asking the real questions, we're asking, why is this happening? Not how, not what tools, but why? And if you look at it, it's pretty clear to me, I believe it should be clear to all of us, that this is a hard issue. This has nothing to do with the choice of tool of someone's uh, lashing out and violence and depravity. This has to do with the heart. Uh, I, and I believe, as a Christian, uh, this is a sin issue. That uh, it is a travesty 
the indoctrination that has been foist upon uh, America, particularly through the last several decades of primary schooling, uh, this Marxist idea of, of humanism, secular humanism. We're going to get into worldviews here for a minute, uh, but if you look at it, this Marxist ideology we see running rampant uh, through the institutions, through higher education, through politics itself and in the governmental realm. This Marxist uh, ideology comes with it, the religious belief of secular humanism. It's an atheistic, a denial of God, which denies several of the Judeo-Christian ethics upon which our nation was founded. These basic recognitions of private property and individual rights and your right to live, your right to defend yourself. All of these things are really, when it comes down to it, Judeo-Christian principles that we have agreed upon in society for so long. But... The young generations have had this stripped from their understanding. They have been indoctrinated completely a different way to this humanist idea that man is ultimately good and can be perfected, uh, that utopia can be achieved. So guess what? It's not man that is evil. It's all of the circumstances that happen to him. That's what makes him do these things. So if we just take away the guns, everyone will be kind to each other. If we just remove this or that or the other, all of these outward controls, everything gets better. You and I know that's not the case. That is not the case. People deep down inside are capable of doing good things, to be sure, but they are not inherently good. People are very capable, and in fact, I would say predisposed to being mean and selfish and violent to each other, to act out of anger and emotions. Uh, these are things that must be held in check with self-control. Uh, virtues that are no longer celebrated in our society, self-control, personal responsibility, duty. There's a conversation I had with a coworker earlier today that the, these things are just completely lost in society, lost on the younger generations. And, and it seems to get older and older. This isn't an, a young person. Uh, this is a 40-year-old man who decided to run out and indiscriminately uh, kill people today. Although, again, there seems to be some mental health issues that have uh, recently been, well, dealt with, not addressed, perhaps, and uh, are going to be a part of this conversation moving forward. And as good as it is to have that conversation, to talk about defending the Second Amendment, which is our ability to defend our families from this kind of thing that we saw in, in Maine last night in Lewiston. Um, as much as we ought to have the conversation about how do we apply mental health and due process both in our society and safeguard both of these things and work with it and make people uh, safer and yet not take away their freedom. These are worthwhile conversations to have, but we must be having the conversation behind it all of the recognition that. Marxist ideology, this inherent belief in the goodness or this belief in the inherent goodness of man is a load of crock. And it has been indoctrinated into our children for decades now through the schools, through our institutions here in America. And it's time that we recognize the real issues behind these mass shootings and these mass streaks of violence that have permeated our inner cities uh, and have rippled out into the suburbs around it. It's time we get to the honest discussion about what's going on in our culture, the brokenness in our culture and in our people, because it's not the gun's fault. It's not the, uh, the, the mental health institution's fault. It is a, a sickness across our culture of the heart. And I think that is what we have got to get to. Otherwise, we're going to keep putting political band-aids on it. We're going to keep talking about the how, the how, but not the why. We need to get to the important, the all-important why. I hope you'll join me in doing that today. That is the what you need to know. 
So I hope that you will um, consider that with me. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and move on here. We've got a couple of good interviews. Uh, I hope you'll stick around for them. I'm glad that I could be here with you today. As heavy as this topic is, I think it's important that we're all there. So uh, go to ProMakerReport.com, PhyllisLafley.com, get all the resources, the links, everything uh, uh, from the standalones and the podcasts. And we will see you on the other side of the break in just a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, this is a really helpful interview upcoming because we all talk about these things and then we these topics and we need somebody that actually knows it. So our next guest is Ken W. Good. Um, he is uh, on the board of directors of an organization called the Professional Bondsman of Texas. Uh, he's um, got a master's degree. He's got a law degree. He's this is not a uh, if you thought that uh, bail and bail bonds uh, work uh, were you know, kind of, uh, I don't know what, uh, enlisted Marines that, that leave the Marine Corps and go do that. Well, this guy's very sophisticated. And the ongoing debate and the ongoing conversation about zero bail policies and what it's done to crime – Obviously, people are in there now saying, hey, hey, you know, look, um, this is what happened and why it happened. But how does it work out? So uh, Ken W. Good is our next guest, sir. Thank you for coming on. And uh, thanks for a chance to talk about this. I- explain it to the layman what really the cause and effect that's not just guessing, but we know how it works, please. Well, sure. Thank you for having me. But I would say that the zero bail policies that we're seeing being used in California and that were attempted in New York and they're being rolled back right now, the cause and effect is the removal of accountability, because once you start releasing everyone, it creates chaos. And once chaos gets created, I mean, who do you pick to start holding accountable? And you you just don't have the room. You don't have the capacity to hold all these large groups of people accountable when they They see a green light to commit more crime. So because of the chaos, no one can be held accountable. And they see that as a further green light to commit more crime. The best evidence we have on that is our statistics on car thefts, because the insurance companies are requiring police reports before they'll pay off a claim. So that's the best evidence we have, because we have so so much underreporting, non-reporting, no prosecution, not filing charges. And so you have to look to the best evidence we have. And we're hearing from the other side is crime is going down. It's just the perception issue. It's just absolutely not true. Uh, Ken W. Good, again, is our guest. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, he's an attorney and uh, he works in the bail industry and 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 therefore his, his expertise is uh, on this. Um, uh, he has uh, written a lot on it also as an article called What Successful Bail Reform Looks Like. What does successful bail reform look like? I mean, there is an argument that, that the system was not responsive to uh, lower income folks and and it was basically uh, just kind of um, uh, being used to uh, if you if you have if you have a high bail on poor people, you don't really have bail. And so I get that. I mean, I get on the other hand, zero bail, obviously, you know, as you point out, it it changes. There's there's really no penalty reminds me, honestly, of the border, where if you come to the border and say, I need asylum, they give you an app and you go away and you never come back. It feels the same way. If zero bail is like, hey, we think you did something wrong, but we're not going to give you any bail. Therefore, you're not going to think much about it. So what is real bail, bail reform? What could it look like? And can we get there from here now with such disasters in big cities? 
Can we get there? I'm going to start with your last question first. Can we get there from here? Yes, we can. And we know that because there's a case uh, called Sanchez versus the state of Alabama where they had to live under one of these uh, policies under a preliminary injunction for like four years or five years. Mm -hmm. And uh, they won and it was reversed. And so they went back to their old system of holding people accountable. And I did a podcast with the sheriff on the bellpost.com. And um, he said it took them a while to get change the mindset of people that they were going to be held accountable if they didn't do what they agreed to do. And so it took about six months for them. It may take a little longer, but Yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And so what is good? What is good bail reform? What is a successful bail look like? Or it's really what does a successful criminal justice system look like? We have to get uh, people, their cases through the system and resolved. We have to give a resolution to victims. And and that is we so that we have to get people to show up for court. Uh, there is a mayor from uh, uh, Durham, North Carolina, uh, North Carolina. She was on a, uh, a, a, a town hall meeting for Texas uh, News Nation. And she said, look, I'm not a proponent for these zero pell policies because they're not an alternative to getting people to court because they have a terrible failure to appear rate. And she said, until you get something that matches the private industry, which is the private bail system, and has the same amount of accountability, then you don't have an alternative. And and then the, to your last point about did, did the old system address poor? I, I think it absolutely did. I think, you know, the, the attack was poor people were getting stuck in jail. Uh, I don't think there is any first time offender that's stuck in jail. If, and, mm. and I will say, if you've got a record, if you've got a substantial criminal record and you can't afford to post the bond that's been set for you, it's not because you're poor. It's because you have a criminal history. And once you have a criminal history and a substantial criminal history or you fail to show up for court because nobody's been holding you accountable, then you're not in jail because you're poor. And that's the way our system was written. The people that were advocating these policies, they've been, they just want to dismantle the criminal justice system. They don't want to hold anyone accountable. They they actually call our, our county jails cages, and they do it for this purpose of inflaming people to divide us. And we, sure, we need to all always look for ways to improve the system, but we have the best criminal justice system in the world. Uh, and maybe that's a, an indictment on the other criminal justice system. <laughs> right. We have the best one in the world. Why are we tearing it apart? Uh, now, Ken W. Good is our guest. He's on the board uh, of the professional bondsman uh, of Texas, uh, pbtx.com. You can see a lot. They have resources there and a podcast themselves, a blog. Uh, uh, learn more about that there. Um, and he has this expertise then as an attorney, as well as uh, working in the system and writing about it on uh, zero bail and uh, and these issues surrounding how we hold accountable ourselves as a, as a society is is reform coming is you know these things go pendulum swing are you are, is the pendulum swinging back it's one thing to see that there's another carjacking in washington dc uh, of a staffer or there's another weekend of terrible murders in chicago or something um is it swinging though and and is it is it breaking out of the um left right or red and blue and and trying to say hey what really works i mean it feels like the media loves to get us in camps and sometimes the camps are the detriment to getting the right things done 
Well, I do think we are seeing some cracks. I think right before the last major election, you know, we have one side of the electorate coming out and saying, oh, crime's not increasing. This is just the other side using talking points. But I mean, in the last two months, the uh, NAACP in Oakland issued a letter uh, uh, just blasting their local elected officials, which are aligned with them, saying that crime is so bad, we need a state of emergency on crime. And the the uh, DA came out making the same argument that the that that side of the spectrum has been using right before the last election. And then the regional group came out for the NAACP supporting their local chapter, saying, no, we need a we need a state of emergency on crime. So you're seeing cracks. You are seeing rollbacks. New York has now rolled back their bail reform at least three or four times. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, the governor said, well, this is the last one. Well, she keeps she would love for it to be the last one. But I don't think they've really substantially rolled it back in a meaningful way yet. And so as long as crime is a problem. And I think, you know, if you look at um, the immigration issue, I think that is paralleling a lot of the bail reform arguments. And I saw an article yesterday that said the polls, uh, polling numbers uh, for for that uh, for the for that side of the spectrum of our political environment was so bad right now that it was scaring the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is becoming an issue, uh, you know, when the Democrats are the only party in control of New York and they roll back bail reform three or four times. Yeah. You know, That's a moving. big statement. There's a crack forming, and it is. It's we're just repeating the same cycle from the '60s, and there was a huge backlash after the '60s and the '80s with Reagan. And if the left's not careful, we're going to have the same problem because they could keep that from happening by recognizing there's a problem, but they won't. Uh, uh, Ken W. Good, I got about a minute left, and I, I want to ask you this: um, Is this an issue that should be solved? Should be solved at the local level, meaning cities, counties, and and maybe the state. I I, I always get nervous. Is but is there something that the feds could do. I mean, they usually make it worse, but I just have a minute. I mean, where, where should this solution be coming? And, and, and will it come in places where it's so blue that you get elected by being crazy? I do think this is a local issue and we're, I mean, the Supreme Court could even say it's going to be a local issue because there's a case pending at the court of um, uh, Texas, I mean, United States Supreme Court. So yes, I think it's a local issue. I don't believe the feds could do anything to just muck it up even more. But what your comment is, are there places so blue that they're willing to just destroy their country, uh, their, their state? Maybe, but I think the mayors are going to step in and save it. You're seeing it now. Okay, very good. Hey, Ken W. Good, thank you for being out there again. Ken W. Good, he's on the board of the uh, Professional Bondsmen of Texas, has an expertise written on this subject himself, uh, articles and uh, others. And so I will put up on social media links to that. And appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. And we'll have you back again. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll take a break, everybody, and come back. Very interesting topic. And, and more importantly, as it's, as the pendulum swings, the, the, the smart solutions, right? We, we got to have accountability. We've got to have a system that works. Uh, making it work is, uh, is important. So uh, very helpful. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, he was on with us a few weeks ago. Scott Phelps is uh, a leader in this uh, country on education and especially on education when it comes to abstinence and comes to marriage, comes to uh, relationships that works. Uh, He himself has had a long history uh, of uh, working and counseling people and being a creative leader in terms of especially education uh, and writing um, the the history of the the organization. If you go to uh, uh, 
uh, ampartnership.com, AM, excuse me, .org, ampartnership.org stands for the Absence and Marriage Education Partnership. Uh, tons of uh, history there, but also the curriculum. Welcome back, Scott. How are you? Thanks so much, Ed. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So I, my, I had a question. I was thinking about you in preparation for this, and, and here's where I ended up. Um, it feels like there's more against uh, marriage and abstinence than ever, right? The culture has slid so far. Uh, we mentioned off the air, TikTok and others have, are just sort of ex- exploiting attention span and kids and all. But there's also this sort of hunger. I, you know, people are, are they, 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 they whipsawed about all this, but they're turning and saying, yeah, but who can I come to and, and get something? Is that, am I feeling that right? Is it, you know, and my example of this was a few days ago, I interviewed somebody in the, in the homeschool movement and they said, yeah, look, as the schools have gotten worse, obviously people have been searching for a place to go. And here we are is as the, as the culture has gotten worse, are you finding that people are searching and finding you? Is there a renewed interest? Um, they tried to make the the word abstinence like an old-fashioned word but is it coming back to you yeah no you're absolutely right and we have the advantage of having the truth on our side truth is very powerful and what i my, the illustration i often think of when i think of truth it's sort of like a balloon submerged underwater you can hold the balloon under the water for a while but at some point it's going to surface and that's really where we're at today in our culture i believe our message is truth, and it has been submerged by the culture, but it's coming, you know, it has to come up, and it eventually does. And truth always wins in the end. And, you know, all this sort of emphasis over the last few years uh, on fake news, this has been the story of our, you know, the history of our organization. We've been battling fake news since the beginning back in the, you know, in the 90s. And uh, what they have done is, in fact, even today, if you were to Google abstinence, what you would find in the top search results is something from Planned Parenthood saying how stupid abstinence is. Right. And so well, what they do is it, it's harmful. It's shameful. It damages our kids. You know, and so this this massive assault on the work that we do. In fact, if you think about it, every you know, the, the leading medical, educational, governmental media complex is against the message that we're trying to communicate to our young people, which is reserving all sexual activity for the context of marriage is healthy and good. And that is a message that is suppressed everywhere. And what we do is we work to lift that message up. We believe it's a powerful message. And you're absolutely right. Kids resonate with it. The problem is never the kids. It's always the geniuses on top, the smart people, the administrators, <laughs> institutions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who, We're talking, who think yeah. that the kids won't. Seriously. Yeah. It's just, it's the battle that we face. Yeah, we're talking with Scott Phelps and, and his uh, organization, and I'm looking at the website, the Absence and Marriage Education Partnership. And but you mentioned something that sent me off, and I got to ask you th- about this. The origins of your effort are back into the uh, 1980s, I, I believe, if I get it right. You know, Kathleen That's Sullivan right. and right. and all, and yeah. and uh, and Phyllis Schlafly, who for, late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked, but. Um, at that time, somewhat controversial, I remember Kathleen Sullivan describing there was some federal money that went to abstinence education. But by and large, it is an effort that's done by uh, families and churches and, and fundraising. On the other hand, you mentioned Planned Parenthood. They get almost a billion dollars of tax dollars and they spend the money on uh, obviously pursuing abortion. But the, the, the industry around which they, they get to abortion requires 
uh, teaching kids and young people and all people that um, that sexuality is just, you know, whatever you want it to be. Uh, how do you, Scott, how do you face, I mean, you're David, David and Goliath here and Goliath is getting a billion dollars of our tax dollars to do this against us. Well, you know, I like that analogy because it is the correct analogy. And I like David's chances. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, seriously. No, absolutely. My point is you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it is a David and Goliath situation. And the point of the story is, you know, even Goliath with all of his armor and everything, what David has is the truth. David has the Lord on his side. And so uh, we just believe that the message that we're teaching is absolutely right and true. And the only way it can be, quote unquote, submerged is by lies. Now, you talk about Planned Parenthood and all the money they get. Absolutely. Planned Parenthood is not only the largest provider of abortions in America. They are the largest provider of sex education programs across America. And most schools in America are going to teach a Planned Parenthood type sex education program, which is here's all the different contraceptive methods you can use. And, right. and all of that. And there's no reference to marriage whatsoever. And that's our big concern is that sex is taught to our young people today without any connection to or reference to marriage. So we are a and M absence and marriage education partnership, because we believe that if you're going to teach children properly, you're going to teach them not sex is a bad thing, but that it's a good thing within the context of a marriage relationship. And so there's nothing in our program that's explicit or embarrassing. We don't address all things sexual. We have a singular point that we want to communicate to young people, and that is simply this. Reserving sexual activity for marriage is good and healthy, and marriage is good and healthy for you, for your spouse, for your children, for your culture, and for your community. And we want to help them aspire toward that. We seek to reinstitutionalize absence education as the fundamental message that our kids are receiving in schools. It's not that now. Sex right. education is the primary message that we seek to supplant and replace. Uh, the Absence and Marriage Education Partnership. Uh, we're talking with Scott Phelps, the, the, the director there, the head of it. Um, ampartnership.org, ampartnership.org. Very worthwhile to look at their website. Um, Scott, uh, the, um, the uh, less people go to church than ever before and therefore they they are they have less of the teaching and of marriage uh in the same way more people are divorced than ever before so marriage becomes something that's you know less um uh forever and more um you know something of a of something that happens for periods of your life is the and so abstinence and marriage teaching about that you must have to adjust there's a lot of people that want that may want this because it's healthy the, the, you know, your, your studies and resources, it's it's actually better for human flourishing, even if you're not sitting around trying to get to heaven. No, absolutely right. And so what w- the other part about the truth is that it what we're teaching kids about marriage and family comports with their nature. It's something that is internal that they desire deeply within them. Research out of the University of Michigan, which is really quality data, they do it a year after year called Monitoring the Future. What the University of Michigan will show us is that approximately 90 percent, that is nine in 10 high school seniors across America, say, I want to get married. I want to have a family. I want it to go well. Well, who's teaching them these things? Who's helping them? Who's guiding them? Everything that they're hearing is marriage is bad. Marriage is painful. Marriage ends in divorce. It's stupid. It's just a piece of paper. Forget about it. That's what they hear in a culture. But deep inside, they still want Amazingly, they still want it. And I think they still want it because, as I said, it, it 
comports with their nature. There's something internal to them that desires marriage and family. And what we're simply doing is pointing them in that direction and how they can get there successfully. Uh, let me again, ampartnership.org. Scott Phelps is our guest. Um, Scott, is there um, one, uh, are there events upcoming? People sometimes ask me, okay, I heard that. Uh, where can I, you know, not just learn more, obviously the website I just said, but are there events that you guys host? Is it, are you going into schools? Can people request uh, not just maybe you speaking? I know you're very well regarded and, and a national speaker, but um, the resources coming to their community. Yeah, thanks so much. We do uh, work all over the country. Uh, we do have events. We do primarily we focus on training up educators. So uh, if we come to your community, what we would love to do is host a day where we would invite educators to come and spend a day learning the things that we're talking about, how to teach these things. Well, it's not just what we say, but how we say it and say it with an uncompromising manner that's very clear and straightforward. Uh, and so we do that all over the country. So, yes, you can contact us through our website, ampartnership.com. Org. We would love to come to your town. Uh, we've got an event coming up uh, next month uh, with Bridget Ziegler from Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, she's going to be up here talking to us about the work that she's doing with school boards. And uh, yeah, we are right. very much uh, about educational reform because sex education is sort of the belly of the beast. It is yeah. where so much harm and damage has been done exactly. to our yep. system. Great. All right, Scott, I'm out of time. Thank you, as always, Scott Phelps. And I'll put up on social media links to uh, his uh, website. There's a lot there. It's very, it's important work and um, encourage that it's uh, succeeding well. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. One aspect of the news about the infamous Times Square bomber didn't receive as much national attention as it deserves. His name was Faisal Shahzad, an immigrant from Pakistan. On May 1st, 2010, he planted a bomb in an automobile and parked it in Times Square in New York City, where the bomb was supposed to explode at a time when the streets were crowded with people, so it would kill as many people as possible. Faisal Shahzad wasn't dumb. He was well-educated and wealthy. He graduated from the University of Bridgeport in Connecticut. He had a good job paying $70,000 a year. He drove an expensive foreign car and employed servants and chauffeurs. He had traveled in and out of the United States numerous times and had been trained in bomb-making at a terrorist camp in Pakistan. However, he must not have learned enough about bomb-making because the bomb he planted in the car in Times Square did not explode, and nobody was killed by it. He was arrested two days later as he was sitting on a plane in New York about to depart for Pakistan. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. Now, the really interesting part about the Times Square bomber is the fact that he had become a naturalized American citizen. As you know, when immigrants are naturalized as Americans, they have to renounce all loyalty to their previous country and pledge 
pledge allegiance to the United States. At his trial in New York, the judge asked him, didn't you swear allegiance to this country? And here is his reply. I sweared, but I didn't mean it. You're my enemy. I lied. The war with the Muslims has just begun. So, friends, it's important to understand and wake up to the fact that there are some Muslims in the United States who claim they are good Americans, but are really looking for ways to kill us. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now, because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in here to close out the program for Ed Martin. Glad to be with you. Glad to have been with you here at the beginning as well. And uh, I had another, uh, well, it's a rather unpleasant topic that I wanted to bring in here before we ended today. Uh, But I think it is a good uh, clarion call to America to do something different uh, than we are currently allowing to happen to us in our uh, historical perspective of this nation. So let me dive right into it. Uh, You've probably heard uh, on this program several times before, we've talked about uh, monuments in America. Uh, No matter if it was uh, Civil War monuments, monuments to the founding fathers, of course, this has become a huge uh, political hot-button issue, as we have monuments across this country, uh, not necessarily uh, endorsing what everyone has done, but commemorating huge moments in American history. And of course, one of the big ones uh, is the Charlotte statue of Robert E. Lee on his horse uh, that has been taken down. I know that we talked about it. That has been uh, a seriously <laughs> contentious topic, uh, particularly our one of our former board members over here at the uh, Phyllis Schlafly side of things uh, was one of the foremost proponents of keeping up historical monuments. And I know that Ed has spoken about that as well um, quite a bit. We cannot forget our history. We must remember it. It is important to commemorate things that have happened, people who have gone on and not give in to this ridiculous, woke, critical theory notion that everything that comes before is bad. Well, I have some really kind of sad and uh, and disgraceful news. The Robert E. Lee statue that was removed from uh, removed from Charlotte uh, on his uh, very famous horse so that has in fact been uh, melted down. Uh, Robert E. Lee and Traveler are no longer uh, even in pieces. They were cut up, chopped into several pieces to be moved. Uh, and, they, of course, uh, you kind of have to wonder what happens with these. A lot of these monuments that have been moved have been put off to museums or Civil War battlefields, places where, you know, as the news says, quote, unquote, more context can be added to them since we have to whitewash everything and try to explain away uh, that uh, we had problems in the past and they were dealt with. We've moved on and grown. Uh, heavens forbid we have Uh, look at that but um, in this case the Robert E. Lee statue from Charlottesville uh, was purchased by a museum and they have uh, announced their intent to melt it down 
to turn it into some other uh, sort of uh, some other sort of uh, monument or statue in the future. And uh, it's really kind of uh, disturbing. I'm looking at the Washington Post article. I'll link this, of course, in the show notes. We'll put it up on social media. There is a video of this happening. It was moved in secret uh, to a foundry somewhere where it could be cut up, melted down. Uh, no one knows what state or what city it is. The uh, Everyone here has face coverings, of course, so that they can't be uh, seen. And uh, it's definitely a contentious issue. But it's a sad issue. And I think it's because... We have lost a fundamental understanding of something in America. Ed touched on it last week, and I want to reiterate that here in my own words. We need to see the great benefit of venerating, of honoring our heroes, of having American heroes. And and by no means am I suggesting that we falsely put people on pedestals here and celebrate uh, broken people who make bad decisions on occasion and uh, sometimes in, in, in great, you know, in great number, they make bad decisions. But it is important not only to remember our history and commemorate great things that have happened, the uh, heaviness of fighting a war uh, in part to free uh, slaves, brother against brother, family member against uh, family member. This is a time in our history that ought to be remembered, both sides, so that we understand what we've gone through and where we must go. Uh, but on top of that, it's important to uh, celebrate our heroes and our historic figures, uh, like our founding fathers, who, despite being flawed individuals, as all of us are, if you joined us for the wink, you'll certainly hear the theme coming back here, that there are none of us blameless and perfect or perfectible, that's for sure. But it is important to celebrate, nonetheless, the heroes of America and to uh, honor them and uphold them. It is important as a society, as a culture, that we do that. Uh, and I think that truly we are becoming lost as a culture, our American identity, this coming together of nations and tongues and colors and creeds into the one creed, the idea of America, the freedom, the liberty that it recognizes and stands for and has stood for for nearly 250 years. I think it's important that we celebrate and uphold heroes from that historical legacy of ours. And uh, this, this melting down of Robert E. Lee and his horse, uh, this destruction from Charlottesville, what's, uh, what's come from it and come out of it, it's just, it, it's, it's so sad and heartbreaking to see uh, as these pieces of American history are lost. And of course, this, it's almost a, re it really, it is, it's very interesting. This wokeness really is a religion. Almost. They actually had a minister who uh, at one point uh, was uh, preaching a sermon over the sound of the furnace melting down. It's, it's just it's so strange and so odd that we have created this religious experience out of tearing down the understanding of who we are, where we've come from. Uh, and uh, great men and women of the past who, although uh, they've made mistakes, have brought us to where we are as a nation uh, from their good uh, things from their bad things from their victories and from their errors and losses we have learned and we are a sad state of a nation who forgets that and forgets to honor our heroes so let me chime in and uh, put that down as well it's it's a sad thing i'll give a link to it if you want to see it it's uh, i think something that people should be made aware of we cannot let this trend continue or we truly have lost our history and our identity as an american culture so i hate to end on a sad note there but uh, thank you for joining us today thanks for being with 
with us. I'll go ahead and remind you here, the Pro-America Report is always available. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, also PhyllisSchlafly.com. There you will find the archive of Ed's writings and the archive of this show, the podcast, the standalones, all the links from today. Anything we referenced will be up there as well as posted on social media. And we are so appreciative of you, the listener, for being here. I'm appreciative of Ed for leading this show. And I hope that you will join us again tomorrow on the Pro-America Report right here. We will look forward to talking with you then. Have a good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.